0: Any 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 final
1: comments? Say nothing to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nova et Vetera, a special series of monk cast coming to you from the Abbey Archives. In which younger monks interview their elders about what it was like back in the day. We hope, we hope you, hope you enjoy, enjoy it. Nova et
0: Vetera. Okay, well, I'm a resident of Atchison, Kansas for the, since 1951. Oh, yeah. When I went. Four years to high school, the normal range of time.
1: Uh, What's, uh, how about, uh, you start with your name? My name? Yeah.
0: I'm full name Barnabas Thomas Senecal. If I'm arrested for something, it'll come into the
1: <laughs> 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 And uh, how about uh, profession date? Mm.
0: First profession. hmm Well, I joined the novitiate in 1957.
1: How about the year you were ordained?
0: 64. All right.
1: And then uh, tell me uh, tell me a little bit briefly about how how you came to St. Benedict's Abbey. What brought you here?
0: My dad believed strongly in Benedictine, Benedictine's period. He had three brothers that were priests. Uh, one was a Benedictine here, taught French had his doctorate from Laval. And who is that? My uncle. My my bro, my dad's brother. Mhm. Lucian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My dad had three sisters who became sisters of mercy of Council Bluffs, Omaha. All of them. My aunts and uncles, I have no living aunts or uncles at this point. Um but the sisters were uh, hospital people, Mm -hmm. administrators, x-ray technician. Um, How they got there, I do believe it was for long-term care of one of my uncles. Uh, No, not my uncles, it was my grandfather. Uh, Dad had grown up in central Kansas in a French-speaking community. Uh, his his mom and dad, my grandparents, are buried in Zurich, Kansas, mm-hmm. which is a little isn't I don't think it's incorporated anymore. Uh, my mother was from Topeka. Worked for the Santa Fe Railway, like ninety percent of the people in Topeka at that time. Um, the only education that either one of them had, my parents, was. Uh, it was a business college they called it business program in Topeka but uh, dad had memorized you know one of the things that current education doesn't doesn't stress memorization my dad died reciting thanatopsis the Greek ode to death Um, I didn't learn that Uh, Okay, so I I, had my bachelor, my program of theology was here in in the Abbey. We had our own staff, highly qualified people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a degree in history, European history, Mm -hmm. from Benedictine, St. Benedict's. And um, then I did not complete the master's degree at, at KU. I tried to do it during summer times. I transferred hours to Emporia, <clears throat> where I took a master's degree in educational administration. Mm-hmm. And sp- spent a long time at Moorhill teaching and administering, and etc.
1: You got elected abbot at some point, too, right? You see, when was that fateful day? <laughs> <laughs> it was in
0: 94. 1994. Same year my mother died. Some of these statements may be corrected by
1: fact. (laughs) (laughs) That's you know you know that's 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 well that's what we're here for. We're here to set the record straight. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your time at Mar Hill. Um, What what was that like? Let's just notable stories, (laughs) notable people.
0: Let me let me start with just buildings, facilities. Sure. the uh, ALC American Lutheran Church owned a ground called in a place called Midland College. They moved to uh, Fremont, Nebraska. When they became vacant, we bought the property and moved the high school program from the college campus to to the current site. The buildings that were there, one was an old Carnegie Library building truly financed by the Carnegie Fund for the Lutheran group. Um, There was a four-story building where there's now a parking lot. But that four-story building was our everything. Sure. Uh, Our washroom, we had washed our face on the one, one floor and slept on the upper floor and not really the floor, but we had 80, it's a a hundred, I'm trying to remember how many beds we had. We all slept, like a hundred guys slept in bunk beds on one floor. Mm-hmm. Primitive. <laughs> um, eventually, Father Edwin Watson, a member of the community, he was on the Mar Hill staff, but he also took on the task of raising money to build new buildings. Mm-hmm. And, uh... At that point in time, that wasn't our only option, but it was soon to be a problem with North Central, who said to us, build or abandon. The school? Yeah. When, when uh, uh, it was critical to have accreditation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that we didn't know that ourselves, that the buildings were in bad shape and if you're going to have, offer a quality program, you needed to have a place to do that. Mm-hmm. It was also true at that point in time that uh, the Diocese of Wichita wanted to build a high school, mm-hmm. which became Capen, And there was existence, a girls' school. They offered us... To staff the boys' school,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and here community chose not to do that. Mm-hmm. That it would have broken up the uh, way to staff the two places, mm-hmm. and eventually Capon and Mount Carmel merged, and that it left them free to do that. Had we been entangled in that, uh, moving into the future. Mm-hmm. It would have been difficult. Anyway, that's but more, more hill it was always for for I, for my family and my friends a good place to be. Uh good companionship. We did have what we called a priesthood student section the
1: top floor of that four-story building. So could you explain that what uh, what's 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 that about?
0: Was that a priesthood student?
1: Yeah, is that is that a student who's on track to become a priest while he's in high school?
0: Well, it's it's a well. I think what the mindset was that uh, this is the way you get new members into the monastery. Priesthood was one thing, but uh, and predominantly that. In other words, we didn't have a seminary program for people from the Salina diocese or the Wichita diocese. It wasn't that kind of uh, full-blown. We, re- we recruited
1: them for the high school. Is that how you... And day students. And is that how you came in contact with the community?
0: Well, uh, when I came in 57 to the college grounds, uh, my older brother, Father Gerard, was already a member of the community. Mm-hmm. My uncle, Father Lucien, was already a member of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for and my dad was convinced this is where Nicholas and I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, dad was a, a, a prime mover, so to say. In after World War II, there was a number of communities that, that lost membership to the Trappists uh-huh. because they they sensed the need for a more contemplative life. Even than what the diocesan priesthood would offer you. So it wasn't a formal character, it was a formal character formation program in the sense that we were responsible to our teachers and to those who helped staff the school. Uh, and for quite a while, the high school here was a feeder program to the college and, and subsequently to the to the priesthood student. We had our own, as priesthood students, we had our own study hall in the evenings. We had uh, it was it was like a seminary program probably in terms of character uh-huh. review. We had our chaplains and retreats and such, and uh, so it. My memory of uh, individual monks who taught there gives me a sense of who I am through what they were. Father John Gruber was a fellow that could stand half court with the basketball, shoot it and make half the time. He was from Indiana and was a high school athlete. Father Benjamin's uncle Burning um uh, Pretty athletic, young young man. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So what's left of the buildings over there at Moore Hill that were part of Midland College is only the, uh, well, the old gym, we called it. It's the Flynn Athletic Center now. Um, And mostly that was was built under the Lutherans. The Lutherans went to Nebraska when they were here, they were a seminary program for their own uh, religious group, mm-hmm. ALC. That still exists in terms of there are two Lutheran churches in town. Trinity Lutheran is the Missouri Synod, mm-hmm. and uh, St. Mark's is uh, uh, ALC. Okay, that so that's Atchison is a a town that. Uh, Well, just a number of people made their careers through railroad or through Pillsbury Milling, Mm -hmm. Midwest Grain. So there was kind of an industrial base in terms of uh, where did the students of Mar Hill come from. Mm -hmm. Uh, For the day student, it was, uh, well, they had the three parishes. There were three parishes of grade schools. Today, all... (coughs) The only thing remaining uh, is St. Benedict's Parish, which is unified Sacred Heart and, and St. Joseph's and St. Patrick. Well, St. Patrick's is a little more independent, mm-hmm. but uh, so we we pretty much grew up with the same group of people as you would in a public school, uh, and some of them become your heroes, and some become your less than heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we all had to write speeches for um, during May. I think it was because Giggy Hughes, big tall kid, <laughs> kind of tough guy in the streets, he he gave a talk on thumbing your way to heaven on the beads of the rosary.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> have you heard that before? I have not heard that. I've uh, my no. I have not heard that. Okay.
0: We were successful in, in terms of Mar Hill and sports. We belonged to the Kansas State High School Activity Association, and so we met all those requirements. Through the years, the enrollment base tilted toward foreign students mm-hmm. uh, for two reasons. One, we were available to them. We made some modifications to accommodate language. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actively recruited in Mexico. And lately, recruiting in Asia.
1: So, who did uh, who did recruiting internationally?
0: Father Bruce. Where did he go? Saudi Arabia. Really? Many times. Really? Probably eighteen times.
1: Tell us about that.
0: Well, the reality was that uh, places like Aramco, uh, in order to meet the uh, Saudi government requirements that. They could not enroll uh, an American student in a Saudi school mm-hmm. so they offered to pay sixty to eighty percent of the tuition cost. so we entered into competition with places in in England and France and uh, namely that money was available to them too N- namely, if I wanted my kids to go to Paris to school. They didn't say no, but there must have there was a kind of a funding limit. But for us, it was quite worth our time. Mm -hmm. To uh, one of the weaknesses of that is that even though they were American students, and a lot of them were based, had based people in Kansas City or in the area, but it didn't develop the alumni stream that uh, people from more of a Well, I want to say that these older, the parents had not attended our schools. Sure. And so it was a a way of broadening who we served. And they were, it was probably 80% Roman Catholic families. But Father Bruce knew them well and he he snuck in masses. You, You couldn't publicly identify as a Roman Catholic in really? Saudi Arabia. If you had a rosary around your neck, you, they'd tell you to take it off. Wow. Uh, so that there were some solid connections made with people, uh, although they may not have shared our faith, may not have shared. I remember <laughs> Pat Riga used to. He grew up in Saudi Arabia and uh, was used to playing golf with red golf balls. Because no. the sand was white. Not white ones? The sand was white. Oh, so there they, you go. <laughs> they had to find the ball later. <laughs> we, had some, we had some wonderful sports teams. We, had, we won a state championship in golf many times. Uh-huh. Football, we, we won a state championship a few times.
1: So uh, not everyone, but not everyone who came from Saudi Arabia or not everyone who came internationally was Catholic at that time? There were some. There were some who were Catholic or there yeah. were some who weren't. Yeah.
0: for some, In some periods of time, uh, on, on behalf of the Saudi, the, uh, they didn't want us recruiting the non-Christian into a Christian faith. Sure. And it, it, only, it only really became a problem with Ramadan and times when parents wanted to were sensitive about proselytizing. Yeah. If we wouldn't accommodate the diet, what would what, what, what would we accommodate? It made for a difficult chapel experience? Sure, because uh, tell us about that. Well, again, we didn't we really didn't try to make converts out of them. Nor were they that interested probably. Sure. But um depending on the staff that we had, there would be a time when or maybe a parent who would arrange for someone from the from their own spiritual background to come, and on Sundays they would offer a reflection or uh, discussion. It wasn't always the right thing to do to to have them sit down in chapel and be be quiet mm-hmm. with us, because mm-hmm. then nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I had the title of headmaster, but we also had a dean of studies and a, and a dean of student, dean of students. Ed Stork was our dean of studies for years. Graduate of Benedictine, mm-hmm. biology major. Um, well, let's see. Curriculum wise, in those days we had pretty much a classic. Uh, Approach although we didn't. I think we, we we taught Spanish for quite a quite a while, but we never attempted to teach in the Asian India. Uh, it became more of a reality when uh, we had a Father Martin Taylor developed a uh, language pro, English language program, mm-hmm. so that these foreign students could take the TOEFL test mm-hmm. test test of English as a foreign language. Mm-hmm and gain admission to the university on a qualifying score. So there was quite a bit of emphasis on that side of the program, academic program. Uh, Then that changed to where we had, in in Saudi Arabia, eventually they they started hiring Pakistanis and Others who were qualified to do the same kind of construction work that uh, Lockheed and others had been doing, mm-hmm. and and it gave us a breadth of, you know, the long hair syndrome. <laughs> was it the seventies? Well, yeah, during that pretty time when, um, and there's always this, some saying, well, you don't you don't make the same requirement for this. Foreign kids I said well I think we do discipline was always you know you try different ways of approaching kids sure some uh, we used, you know you'd use the study our study after after classes were over or you'd uh, we used to have a detention and then we used to have work study and uh, but as time passed it seemed to me that young people who came through our school sought admission to college campuses, programs and succeeded
1: in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you have any interesting stories about disciplining students? The classic struggle with seniors was
0: keggers. Oh, really? And you had parents that would say, this would be, it would be universal mm-hmm. in the country here. Uh, I'd rather he drink at home than Drink out on the road or something. Sure, but on the other on the other hand, there's a lot of jeopardy involved if you've supplied the beer for them or if you. And when I resigned at the at Moor Hill as headmaster with Abbas' permission, I said, "I think I have served all the homecomings and weekend arrests that I need for judgment." And I don't know what I said. It's in writing somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> there you go because I found the letter the other day my resignation letter uh-huh. there was a good spirit among uh, who was there at the time the only the only Benedictine still alive who worked any length of time at Moor Hill who would that be Camillus was one of the last to to die mm-hmm. Uh Albert never worked at Mar Hill. Uh, there was kind of a divide there. You know, I mean, you were identified. I was identified as a Mar Hill priest.
1: Right. So yeah. Tell t- tell us a little bit about like the ties between Mar Hill and the community.
0: Edwin's commitment ran deep. I mean, he, he, he who he was was Mister Mar Hill. I mean, he uh, he traveled as any president of a college would, organizing events. We used to go to Chicago every year. Bill Smith managed the Conrad Hilton. He'd put us up, the League of St. Mar, 20 people, he'd put us up in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd have a dinner dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of us heard this working up, up and down the elevator with other groups that would come in to spend the night. It was one of those deals where Mike Murphy, who was the head of the, uh, uh, like you Freight, but it was a different company. And uh, these people would see us, and they see the name tags, and they'd say, where is that school? We had no visibility, really. Sure. But it was, it was you support my charity, and if you support my charity, I support your charity, mm-hmm. which meant... I'll buy some tickets for your raffle, or I'll buy some nice tickets for your meal. Who every year got hit up by our patrons <laughs> to buy tickets, but Edwin worked that worked hard at that, and there's still a lot of loyalty in terms of the older group, the younger group. We've Phil Benowitz started the uh, restarted the League of Saint Mar, mm-hmm. and he put an annual expected donation. And, uh, that built up a pretty good group that even today, um, Moore Hill was, uh, to some, they would say we should have left and gone to Wichita. That, you don't hear that no. I mean, sure. but there was that reality of the four story building was, a was, a, uh, um, in bad shape. Mm-hmm. We used to say we lived in the basement floor with all the crickets and <laughs> other animals. <laughs>
1: oh boy! It sounds like. Well, t- uh, oh, another story. You know, the Mexican sisters cooked there for years. The Guadalupanas?
0: Yeah. Okay. They came. Evan uh, Cuthbert had a lot to do with mm-hmm. with uh, some of the programs of the past, and and Cuthbert was a uh, an Irishman. Uh, Father John was uh, the priest who said mass for the sisters in the morning. Mm -hmm. The the building that was our dining room and was their chapel was torn down probably 20 years ago, but it was one of the uh, Midland College buildings. And one morning there was nothing on the table to eat Madre Esther says, Father John had forgotten to get up that morning to say Mass. And she simply said,
1: No Mass, no meal. Oh, so, boy. <laughs> so if the sisters didn't get Mass, y'all weren't going to eat. That, that was true.
0: It didn't happen very often, but it, it was one of the stories that we lived with. Oh, my goodness. John, would, he would whistle. That meant you can come on in and eat little patterns that have we had peanut butter jars on the table not every day and if it was if let's see when when it, when he did collect the peanut butter jars if one if there was one short nobody left the room <laughs> no big deal but it was it was, it was it was it was it makes a statement about uh how guarded our diet probably was we're yeah. <laughs> limited know. there you go, oh my my my,
1: anyway, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing great I'd like to hear a little bit about your your own experience in formation um, uh, just tell tell uh, yeah, tell me about what it was like during your time here as a novice and a junior monk who were some of the notable notable names, notable faces that you got to associate with? Like I say, we
0: had our own school of theology, including some look at canon law and sacraments and history. Father Victor Gilhaus was a... um, European history. He was in Germany at the time of World War II studying... Escaping. Peter was over there, too. <laughs> His father, Peter Beckman? Peter Beckman. Yeah. Victor was the best lecturer. Uh, going the other way, Theodore was our dogmatics teacher. hmm And uh, the author of that book was Decomp. And uh, in Latin. Mm-hmm. Which never made sense to me, because <laughs> I had I had lots of years of Latin language, but I even when we prayed together down in the chapel, I had some idea what we were what we were saying, but not very clearly. Sure. So it didn't take it didn't take a lot of, of encouragement for me, from others, to work toward having liturgy and prayer in in, in English. Mm-hmm. But then we were very conscious of that, you know, in the north section, no, no, the fresco section of the. There's a hundred and four pew spaces. In my early days here, we we probably filled filled all of those. I mean, once the church was open. By that time, my mom and dad had moved here from Western Kansas, where they raised their family, and. Uh, Daddy eventually died of uh, liver cancer, I believe. But they, they're my mom and dad are buried here in the Atchison Catholic Cemetery, which is unusual. Well, it's not unusual for the Habegers but sure. <laughs> uh, so that uh, mom was a hardworking, non-socialite. <laughs> Dad didn't belong to anything. He called the Chamber of Commerce the pot of commerce. <laughs> but they worked hard at the church. Woke us up to serve masses every day. My friends were my dad's friends. There was people that... My dad sold trucks to farmers. and I put... I was driving for Olga and, Fi- Olga Feynman, I'm gonna pull up alongside this combine, took all the wheat they had out of it, and they it into my truck. And then I started to back up. All of a sudden I was looking straight up in the air. I had backed up into a washout. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And I walked home in the rain Walked back to the Feynman home and uh, sh- kept saying to myself, I'll never drive a truck again. I'll- My dad won't let me drive another truck. My dad had sold the Feynman, f- Feynman family the truck. It was a brand-new truck.
1: Oh, man. And, uh,
0: I, I, it slid. It, it bent the running, the, what do you call them, the, the outside the door of the step? The running boards? The running boards. Had it had it not, it was close to doing. Just doing a flip. <clears throat> had it done that, <clears throat> it would have crushed me. Oh wow! So thank you, Lord. There you
1: go. <laughs> He's got a plan.
0: Yeah, but those were good experiences. We didn't. We didn't live on a farm. We lived in our little town, uh, and I grew up sacking groceries and. And working for $10 a week, I think it was. <laughs> Money wasn't the big thing. It was uh, some really hand-on... Do you, ever know, what, you know what it means when I said that I candled eggs? No.
1: Oh, sure, you hold it up to the candlelight to see if there's chicks in it. Right. right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I prided myself I could carry a 30 box of 30 dozen eggs on my shoulder come up to that machine and do that. But some of those work experiences were part of who I became. Sure. I mean, we twin, we, we had, my twin brother delivered the Denver Post and I delivered the Omaha World Herald in Atwood. They, were, yeah. they could practically drive down the street and give their <laughs> not everybody bought the paper. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, we collected the money for the to pay the bills. You got to know people to know people that you wouldn't normally. They're an age group that would be beyond your... They might know my parents, but they wouldn't know. Although Todd Lawson, I'm good at remembering names. Todd Lawson ran the general, the Western Auto Store, and he he got me aside one day and he said, "Tom, you and your brothers ought to stay here and go to school here and be part of our athletic programs." My dad wasn't very impressed with that. <laughs> I said, Todd would like to have us go to school here. Oh, yeah. yeah. He he saw things like that as threats by the Masonic people. He, he had no use for the Masons. That comes from their French history, I think. Namely, uh, if there is anything institutionalized around the 4th of July or whatever day it might be. Uh and it, it had its impact. <clears throat> the Jehovah's Witnesses in that in Atwood were mostly fall away Catholics. Hmm. They stand out on the corner on downtown giving away their watchtower magazines. Sure. See now if I lived in a bigger town I wouldn't have had those little experiences. Sure. Probably. Sure. It was a pretty strong um, bohemian population in that area of the, Kansas and other communities Micheks Kachurig Januszek, uh names like that VAP and of all things today those three men that stopped after mass one of them said Atwood. I've no Lake Atwood. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my God! It, by that time, it was no longer a um, a swimming hole or a fishing place, but a seed bed for wheat. Namely, <laughs> it dried up and they drilled it.
1: Anyway. So, uh, tell me a little bit about your time as abbot. It
0: went very fast.
1: It went very fast. <laughs> Next question.
0: Well, frankly, I became abbot after 30 years being ordained and not living in the monastery.
1: Yeah, t- tell me about that. What was that like?
0: The, the beginning of mean. <laughs> well... I decided that what I needed to do was listen to people. Because so, we were going through it, trying to evaluate how do we, how do we retain and yet back away from parish commitment, uh-huh. pastors. I've always maintained that if we, if we lose that, we lose something of who we are and what we add to a geographic population. Not, we're not going to change the world, but the, uh, you never know.
1: <laughs> well, you got to start in your own backyard.
0: So I, I, I just on my own said, I'm going to put these six guys together, these six guys. And we sat in my office and we talked about what do you think I should be doing as the abbot. And um, I think I followed through with that as a guideline or a and I knew most of the people it wasn't a matter of bringing in an outsider um, to be the abbot. Um, I guess I was probably I don't don't want to say conservative or liberal but I, I I didn't say no we're not going to talk about that whatever that might be. Sure. Um, I was comfortable enough holding meetings. So, in terms of other looking, see, it would be the college. The the college growth (coughs) is uh, phenomenal in terms of the student enrollment numbers the uh, buying into the concept of legacy by the public mm-hmm. uh, in some ways I'm surprised Steve Minnis is still with us huh in the sense that he's done well oh yeah yeah and those people you know he's, he's his qualifications are he's a civil lawyer sure and uh, his wife, Amy, one of the people currently in the uh, student support office, Janet Wilcox, sure, and uh, Maureen Huppy Maureen Huppy was on my grade school faculty down the Holy Spirit. oh really Amy Menace was on the faculty at oh, wow. Holy Spirit uh, I can go back into that building today and a number of the teachers are still there. I came at a time. We had never staffed, I don't think we ever had a priest as, as a grade school principal. Down at but, Holy Spirit? but Well, even in, in this diocese. Sure. Um, I didn't ask to be the principal of the grade school, but Sister Michelle Faltus, Franciscan, was uh, the superintendent of schools. Uh, she said to me, Michelle, Barnabas, why don't you do it for a year and they give us the time to do a better search? So I said, okay. I didn't get a second salary, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have, they, have they not started sending your checks in the mail now? Or? It was Sam, out of date, out of date. There you go.
0: But first thing I did, I had the, I had the wisdom to say, I don't know much about any of these things here, but let's get started so I made committees faculty committees uh-huh. uh, about textbooks and and programs and and but but I was well received as a principal I saved a number of thank you letters that people wrote to me uh, because of the way i Listened and made decisions based on what they advised me. To. So anyway, that was a good experience, a good transition for me. From I've been twenty four years in high school work, and then I did that two years at Holy Spirit.
1: And uh, you were there with Father Albert, right?
0: Albert was pastor.
1: Tell and tell, he just died recently. Tell us a little bit about Father Albert. He was a.
0: Uh, let's you start. he had experience of rural community more than city community city backgrounded people but he he had uh, had patience those years were tough years to find good catechetic teachers people who, who knew some material that they could present and talk well so we we listened to the people who Saint Joseph's in Shawnee. You no, know, uh, what am I struggling with here? Holy Trinity in in uh, Overland Park. I went to the diocese of people. And I said, "Who can help us start a program?" And so they they gave us staff time from that school. In, with our faculty again it's a matter of getting key people around you holy spirit did not have a uh I want to say a, a directory it didn't have a, it did not have a school parent teacher organization not that you wanted them to run it but you wanted to listen to what they had to say sure and, uh,
1: that worked well. So, and then if, if I may, uh, mm-hmm. speaking of dead converse, could you, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, our father, Dennis, who just passed away recently too.
0: Some of the comments that have been written have been very nice. And people who like the sisters in Mexico, from Mexico, they depended a lot on him for spiritual direction and, Uh, And yet, Spanish was a, you know, he was a linguist. Yeah, he was. uh, You know, he was willing to do to go to Brazil to go. uh, uh, He wasn't rooted in one way of life, but he brought something to to the communities that he served. At times, I think he was a little nervous. (laughs) But Who wouldn't be being in front of all these guys? (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Mead. He was a good man. Well-read, supportive. Something that has very little visibility to you or I today is Happy Hearts, which was a uh, mixed-race preschool program that Father Kieran McInerney started, and uh, he and Sister Rebecca Heidelidge, kind of a Montessori school. Sure. But they went around to the, to the community, of the black community particularly, and provided a ride for these kids to school in order to get black and white kids together. And uh, I think that's part of the social history of Atchison. Segregation and what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Mm-hmm. That was a time when the high school shut down for a while because of the hostility within the high school student community. Which
1: high school is that? Atchison High. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there were some tough times, and I think all of those things. Put together all the pieces of the puzzle. It's a wonder we are in the healthy condition that we are in. -hmm. I I really respect what what I keep saying. Five or six guys. How many you would count as your group today? You you guys are just fitting in like like there's well. It's it's wholesome to see how you fellows pitch in and do the dishes and it's uh, it's all very homey
1: sure Yeah. so actually that's a pretty good question too tell me a little bit about your hopes for the future of the community future of the committee community uh, I
0: respect very much the way Abbott James maneuvers his time and gets his homilies written really I mean I was I was afraid of that for myself. And then, namely talking to More Hill kids and Moriah Hill staff even was going to be was the task of relating to the monks. I guess I guess the word I struggle with is profession profession professionalism. Don't don't uh, try to make a teacher out of somebody that's not going to be a good teacher. Sure. But uh, I think the community could become uprooted if it. Saint John's is going through this same thing; they're closing down parishes, or no, not closing down parishes. They're, they do not. Have, they do not have staff for the small parishes around the monastery, mm-hmm. and uh, so the future of the community. Oh, Brazil has always been a. Um, a source of optimism, a source of uh, refreshing, a place where creativity could be as well as conformity. And I mean by that, uh, Eric Deitschmann was just amazing in his almost audacity. Namely, he didn't know Portuguese very well, uh-huh. but he... Uh, he knew quite enough to influence people who even set the market price for grain in Brazil. Here's a kid from Kansas City, Missouri, near the Rockhurst campus. Probably never set foot in a farm, but he came up here as a brother. Brother Philip was his first name, and uh, improved our our vineyard. We had a vineyard at that time. He studied mathematics in the college, but and taught at Moore Hill. But he uh, he was an innovator. He helped. He and Duane helped start a college, colégio. Eric actually assisted and became a part of an agricultural revolution in Brazil.
1: Hmm.
0: He said he he would. He would get a busload of people, men primarily, from Brazil, and they'd come up to Florida. They'd go to K-State. They'd go to Missouri. They went up to to Wisconsin, encouraging these farmers to be managers and to be accountants, people who could make a profit out of their farming. Mm-hmm. And, and he really worked at that. I was <laughs> meeting... One day with them, I didn't know what they were talking about, but I eventually said to somebody who was with me, what are they talking about? He says, look, just if Eric says do it, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the position he was in. Wow. They set the Board of Trade market value at 80% of the Chicago Board of Trade. He he wasn't just, he wasn't, uh, you know, stumbling into these decisions. He was, he would, uh, and then they, but they also would say, the men down there, Eric is one who would try to solve a problem with a piece of wire. Namely, if a post was falling down, he
1: would, <laughs> he would do
0: something to straighten it rather than replace it.
1: Hmm. So, let's see. Well. I, that's that's just about all that we have time for today. Um, any 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 final comments? Say nothing to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great. You
0: know, it's almost been a one of the best things I did was I wrote for Celebration Magazine. Oh yeah, I had a picture like one of these and, and a six stanza re- reflection like that one. And published monthly. It's, it just went out of existence as a publication. Mm-hmm. As is true of so many church magazines, there are fewer pastors reading weekly. Or, I don't know how to say that. Periodicals? Yeah. This was called an uh, ecumenical liturgical magazine. Pat Maron was the editor. It came into being alongside an NCR, National Catholic Register, National Catholic Reporter, NCR. Pat Maron had taught journalism here. When he got down to Kansas City, he took the job of helping put Celebration together. And he asked me if I would want to write for it. I said, it would be fine. But I did. I think I developed some skill about because I just said, "Well, let's do that." Photography. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, just coincidentally with the people that came into focus for me, Luke Laterno, which is the printer of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Zeller and uh I had no I hardly know how to work the camera. <laughs> Truthfully. You,
1: you do you do a pretty good job of pointing and shooting though. Yeah. Well Well there you are. Yeah, we'll uh we'll 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 finish off there. Professor De te sorrows uo nova et vera.